there's something more effective that we can practice. And when we start practicing these alternatives to be careful, then what we're doing is we're opening the door for a child to learn instead of going from control and manage, which would be like, be careful. We're giving a child the opportunity to learn. And when they're learning skills, then they're learning self-control, which is, you know, the overarching goal. When we think about how are they going to be successful down the road um, in lots of situations where, you know, we're not there to necessarily guide them every moment. Basically, we want to work on like creating awareness, guidance, problem solving. These are skills that are going to support a child and making decisions that keep themselves safe. And it's just going to be so much more effective than be careful. Even though be careful feels good in the moment, it doesn't actually help. Hello, hello, blissful parents. Michelle Abraham here today with an awesome guest for you. I am so excited to bring to you Devin Kutzman. Devin, hi, how are you? Oh, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. No problem. Well, I'm super excited that you are here. Uh, blissful parents, let me tell you a little bit more about Devin. So, Devin is the original toddler parenting coach and the founder of Transforming Toddlerhood. And Devin empowers toddler parents to overcome the challenges of toddlerhood, nurture development, and create confidence in their skills by being the loving leader and guide, which I love so much, through using positive, respectful, and develop developmentally appropriate parenting tools. So um, now you might be thinking, well, we have school-age kids. Uh, why are we talking to a toddler parenting coach? And you know what, guys? I love what Devin was all about when I read her, her book, her, um, her website and all of her things that she does, because there's so many things that in toddlerhood, we're so busy. Let's put it this way. Like so busy in toddlerhood that I was looking at some of the things she was saying on her, on her website, it especially appealed to me the ways we praise our kids and some of the words that of labeling and things like that. And I was like, oh, we have to bring Devin on. She's absolutely incredible and amazing at what she does. And I think we can all learn so much and implement those things that maybe we may have missed in toddlerhood. It is never too late to implement them now, right? So, hey, Devin, let's let's hear a little bit more from you about what you're up to in this world. Yeah, thanks. So um, I'm a toddler expert and founder of Transforming Toddlerhood. And um, right now what I'm working on is a conference bringing together uh, 25 plus experts on development and parenting and well-being uh, for my annual Transforming Toddlerhood uh, free conference. So I'm working on that right now. But really what I focus on day to day is how to empower parents and how to really help them create realistic expectations by understanding their child's development and really understanding how the development impacts behavior. So there can just be a lot more harmony, joy, and fun in the parent-child relationship because, you know, the young, the, the younger a child is, you know, these years are really important and it's just a time that can also feel really frustrating because um, we're also as parents and caregivers learning how to navigate things that maybe we've never experienced before. And so my goal is just to be a sounding board, to be an educator and to really empower parents and just enjoying their children more. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. And especially the harmony and being able to enjoy our kids more. I think sometimes we're so busy in the doing of everything that, you know, sitting back and enjoying and relaxing with our kids and having fun with them sometimes gets like put to the bottom of the list because it's a go, 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 do, do, do kind of world we live in, which unfortunately 
sometimes that's the, uh, that's all we need sometimes is that slowing down and playing and having fun again. So I love that is what you're up to and your conference sounds amazing. So keep us posted as to when that is, that's really cool. Would you say in your experience that, um, parents are tend tend to have higher expectations of where their kids are developmentally than where they actually are. Oh, absolutely. Um, and there's lots of surveys and research out there to show that, that we often, and it's in, um, really interesting areas. So what I always say is we typically, um, underestimate a child's physical capabilities, you know, so we might still be doing things for them that they're capable of doing on their own or capable of learning to do on their own. Like, I don't know, put on their shoes or put on a coat, get them dressed, you know, maybe brush their teeth, make their bed, things like that, that are like more physical, um, or even like, you know, climbing a tree or things like that, where we're like worried that they might get hurt. So we're like, um, sometimes, underestimate their physical capabilities, but then overestimate their social emotional capabilities. And we expect them to have um, more impulse control, uh, more um, control over their emotions and in turn their behavior. So, you know, being able to like not get upset and cry or um, have a tantrum or things like this. So there's definitely an expectation gap um, present. How can parents uh, kind of learn what is uh, appropriate for their age of their of their kids uh, as far as emotionally and physically goes? Yeah, so I think when it comes to physical, it's about stepping back and giving your child space to try and seeing what they can do, what they can't do, where they um, end up getting frustrated, where they like give up and stop. And so you want to like get to know where your child's at in these areas and then work on uh, work with them on building the next skill to take them to the next stepping stone. You know, they might not get to like the very end, you know, skill right away, but the next stepping stone, it, taking them in that direction. So sometimes it really allows, it's, it's about kind of stepping back, seeing where they're at and then teaching skills. So that's what I always say, uh, for the physical side, for the emotional side, um, actually kids have a really great way of showing us what we can expect them from them developmentally, because, you know, it comes out, right. So, you know, uh, your child might be crying or, um, upset about something or having a hard time, like at the store, not touching everything's on, on the shelves. So if we're expecting a child to not do something like that yet time and time again, this is what they're doing. Then we see that we might be expecting them to do something that they're not able to do. So they need our help to learn that self-control. And this is really what the goal of discipline is. So, you know, from a conventional aspect, we think that, you know, um, discipline is about controlling a child, getting them to obey, comply. But if we really look at what the overarching goal is to have a child who is a successful member of society, what the real goal of discipline is to teach or to learn and to help a child learn self-control and to teach them um, how to develop that self-control. And so when we see that they're just not able to meet those social emotional expectations, we've got to meet them where they're at and support them in learning the skills along the way. Brilliant answer. I love, I love that. I love what you said. Uh, that was really good. Really well said. Uh, and 
yeah, the self-control, self, uh, self-control is a big one. I think that our kids still struggle with well into their teens sometimes. Right. I mean, there's different stages of development, you know, in the teen years, the brain goes through a really massive reorganization. It's kind of like the second toddlerhood in a way. And, uh, in terms of like, you know, brain development and things, but also, you know, if we, if we parent kids um, when they're young in a way that's like very heavily like control and manage where it's like our way or the highway. And we're like really coming from like a control and manage aspect. Kids don't have a lot of room to experience freedom, to experience making decisions, to practice doing that, um, to be with the outcomes of their decisions and then learn to navigate through it and make a better decision. So then when, you know, kids that are more raised in a control and manage environment, they get to school or they get to like a friend's house or things like that. And they experience this taste of freedom somewhat for like the first time, then they tend to kind of go a little bit wild because they're just not used to having that freedom. So that's why I always say with children, we want to give them freedom within our boundaries and really support them and practicing decision-making skills and being with the natural consequences or natural outcomes of their decisions, as long as they're safe, you know, and helping them navigate through that. So they can really learn, um, self-control problem solving skills and that decision-making process that's going to serve them so much more, um, in the future. Cause guess what? We're not going to be there every minute to control and manage their behavior. Absolutely. And, you know, it reminded me uh, when I, when I first saw you have um, a free guide on your, on your website called the ways to uh, uh, pray 20, 20, was it 23 different ways to praise uh, your child. And I, I thought that was so cool. Correct me if that was the wrong title, <laughs> but uh, I thought it was so cool because uh, I was like, yeah, we're so conditioned to say good girl or good boy or like, yes, that's good. And like, oh my gosh, I, um, I am a, um, I realized that I'm a recovering careful, uh, we're using the word careful as a, as a parenting tool. And I was listening to my dad the other day, he's saying careful, careful, careful to my kids. And I was like, okay, I know where I got it from now, but, uh, yeah, like what, what are some great ideas of ways that we can start uh, challenging the way we, we praise? Yeah. Well, um, I'm happy to talk about be careful first, then we can kind of go into like the, you know, good and bad thing if you want. But, um, since the last thing you brought up was be careful. I mean, yeah, like we're so it's like just an automatic response. Like, Oh, be careful, be careful. And it's an automatic response because most of us heard it growing up like on repeat. So of course it becomes an automatic response within us. The challenge is, is that when we say be careful, it's actually serving us as the adults more than it's serving a child because it's like kind of a way of like feeling like we have a sense of control and therefore calming maybe some of our angst and anxiety. Um, But the thing is, in reality, be careful is not very specific and it doesn't really tell your child what to be aware of or what to actually watch out for. So for young children, it can end up creating more confusion because they're like, be careful, be careful of what, or it's just kind of tuning you out because they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. And so then they just kind of hear this all the time, (laughs) tune it out. Right. You know, and you know, the thing is, is that of course, you know, if we have some fear there, it's normal. It's hard to watch kids grow up and learn new skills and test out their skills. And it's hard to see a child fall down and get a scrape and cry and Um, be heard and feel upset. I mean, these are challenging moments to be in. 
as a parent and caregiver, and it's part of your child experiencing life and growing up. So of course we want to create like a relatively safe environment. So like if a child's like playing in water, like we want them to maybe play in like a shallow Creek versus like um, a lake that, you know, drops off by two feet as soon as you get in the water, you know, something like that, like depending on their age. And so we, we want to look at what we can control, which is the environment and then look at how we can support a child in really um, building up their skills to be safe in these moments. So instead of saying, be careful, you might bring some curiosity, like what's your plan? Or you might give some guidance on what to do instead of saying, be careful. So it might be like if your child's climbing a tree it might be um, squeeze your hands tightly or uh, focus on your foot something like that. Or I don't know, um, you could just work on creating awareness. So say you're like walking, um, maybe you're like playing in the woods, but there's like a road on the other side of the trees or something. And, um, you might say, Oh, do you hear the cars passing? There's a road nearby. Or like, say it's really icy out. Like we just had, so we had like 25 inches of snow this oh, week. Wow. So like, um, our driveway is like a sheet of ice. So you might say, um, notice how the driveway is slippery. There's ice there. Um, so we're basically, we want to work on like creating awareness, guidance, curiosity, problem solving. These are skills that are going to support a child in, um, assessing what's happening and making decisions to keep themselves safe. And it's just going to be so much more effective than be careful, even though be careful feels good in the moment. It doesn't actually help. Yeah. It seems like careful is more of a, a command rather than like a curiosity or like a, a encouraging them to, to be aware. So yeah, I like, I like that positioning on it. That's very good. <laughs> I'm yeah, going to try to uh, kick, uh, kick my uh, careful habit. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's automatic response. So it takes practice to create something else. And it's not like it's bad or you're ruining your child. It's just like, oh, there's something more effective that we can practice. And when we start practicing these alternatives to be careful, then what we're doing is we're opening the door for a child to learn instead of going from control and manage, which would be like, be careful. We're giving a child the opportunity to learn. And when they're learning skills, then they're learning self-control, which is, you know, the overarching goal when we think about how are they going to be successful down the road um, in lots of situations where, you know, we're not there to necessarily guide them every moment. Right. That's great. I love it. <laughs> thank you for, thank you for uh, sharing that with us. Cause you know, I think there's no, no time is too late to start kind of implementing some of these things in the way that we're, you know, it's more like thinking of it as more coaching rather than, you know, being in command as a parent. I, I like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's never too late. I really want to stress that. Like, you're like, oh my gosh, I totally missed the boat these last five or six years. What was I thinking? No, it's okay. You didn't do anything wrong, but now you've learned something. So now it's about practicing something new that can be more effective and more supportive for your family. And I always say practice makes progress, not perfection. So we got to practice so we can move the needle forward and get to the next stepping stone. Awesome. I love it. Thank you for sharing that with us. And, you know, then it goes into like, be a good girl. Don't be a bad girl, you know, or, you know, be a big, good boy. Or like those praise, those, those praises that we heard growing up too, that are no longer really like the, the appropriate thing to say <laughs> anymore. I would love to hear some of your examples or some suggestions of things that we can say to give good praise. 
Sure. So I just want to like circle back to like, okay, some people might be thinking like, okay, well, why wouldn't I say that? I mean, okay, they're doing like, uh, they're, they're doing a good job or they're being good. I just want to point out that when we that good and bad is a label that we, um, that we're placing on something. So say your child, I don't know, put a dish in the dishwasher. What actually happened? The fact is your child put a dish in the dishwasher, your interpretation or judgment of that behavior is that it was good or that it was bad. And so it's just remembering that a child's behavior is what it is. It's a signal. It's a thing that happens. And it's our interpretations and judgments that come out when we say it's good, bad, rude, polite, all of these things. And so when we, there's research out there that shows that when we start placing labels on kids, so when we're evaluating or judging or placing labels on them, even if it's a positive label, um, like you're so smart or something like that, or if it's more of a negative label, like, oh, you're, you're being so bad. Um, then it really puts kids into a box. Mm -hmm. And so it starts, it can reinforce the behavior because it informs a child's sense of self. And they're like, oh, okay. So I'm bad. And I, this is how I do things or, oh, I'm smart. So there's no room to, um, mess up on, um, a test or like, say, Oh, you're so athletic. Okay. So there's, I'm, there's no room for me to explore like my creative side and do art. So it's just, we want to look at like, you know, what labels we're putting on kids, how they're internalizing them. And if we're putting them in a box that kind of limits them for becoming who they really are. So I just want to um, talk a little bit yeah, about the background as like, why should we even pay attention to this? <laughs> Yeah, no, that's great. It's good to understand kind of why, because I think we've heard that kind of, we should maybe be moving away from those labeling, but maybe it's not really understanding the why behind it. So that was very helpful. Um, I yeah. think, and you know, it's, uh, I've heard, and then you, you're the expert, so please <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong or share with guide me in the right way here. But I like, if you're always saying, um, uh, you know, when someone does well on a, on a spelling test or something you're like, Oh, uh, you're so smart. You're so smart. Then they're always going to be seeking that validation of being smart. Uh, is that, is that true? Or is that how it kind of works? Yeah. Yeah. In that way. And also it's also works like coming from the other direction of like, Oh my gosh, I missed two. I must not be smart anymore, but actually like missing two words on your spelling test versus missing zero doesn't have you be any less smart. And so it's just looking at how the judgments that we put on a child's behavior can really, um, impact their sense of self, their self-confidence, or like put them in a box where it's like, they don't feel like they have the freedom or the room to be anything else. And, you know, it can, especially with smart, it can really bring up a lot of perfectionists and perfectionistic tendencies where then all of a sudden, like a child's afraid to mess up. So if they're afraid to mess up, you're afraid to take risks. If you're afraid to take risks and you're afraid to try new things because you might not be good at it. So you see how it can kind of be a snowball effect. Mm, I've seen that a lot lately in kids that are there. Uh, afraid to try new things because they know they're not going to be good at them right away. Is that like, a, like, is that like a, it's just something that I'm seeing in my own kids and their friends, or is it something that's really actually happening to kids in these days? 
I mean, I think it happens a lot and you know, it does, it, it all depends on, you know, it's not just about how people, how adults speak to a child. It's also about that child's temperament, that child's personality, the environment, you know, different relationships. I mean, there's just so many things that go into it, but you know, I was this kiddo. Um, where I like, didn't want to try new things, you know, because I didn't want to not be good at it, you know, because I held myself to such a high standard because I was the kid who didn't miss words on the spelling test, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think like what it comes down to is like looking at some of the research behind it, which, you know, Carol Dweck, um, who created, um, this idea of a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. And when we, um, kind of focus on, like, take the focus off of labeling judgment, um, and really start bringing our awareness when we're giving kids, um, praise, when we bring our awareness to the process, the effort, things like this, instead of like always focusing on the outcome, then, kids start to develop a growth mindset where they like understand that, okay, things aren't always through the, going to be this way through hard work, dedication, you know, I can change, I can create how things are, which is, whereas like a fixed mindset, it's like, oh, this is the way things are. And this is the way they have to stay. And so I think that, you know, it's not bad or wrong to say good job. It's just about putting other tools in your toolbox that can um, give more specific feedback and help um, open a child to um, a growth mindset and really support their self-esteem. That's great. So like when my daughter shows me her painting, instead of saying, oh, you're so good at art, say, oh, I like the way you colored this panda bear or something like that. It could be like that. It could be like, Oh, look at this painting. You, you spend a lot of time on that, you know, or something like that. It's like, it's a lot of it is like kind of like near narrating and observing, or even like getting curious, like, tell me more about this, something like that. Oh, or, or asking your child, how do you feel about this versus like, putting our judgment on it, you know, if it's like good or bad, asking them how they feel about it. But when we really focus on, you know, um, giving specific feedback and like putting in that praise, like, um, say your kid built a tower, you might be like, wow, you were really focused on building that tower. It looks like you put a lot of effort into it, something like that. Or, um, say your child's cutting some paper with the scissors, um, you might say like, oh, I see how focused you were when you were cutting, um, cutting that shape out. I can tell you've been practicing. And so it's like really like bringing it towards like your child's, um, abilities and process and like really the effort that they're putting into it. And a lot of times we can just narrate and describe what we see, like, oh, you picked up the basket of blocks and put them away. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. <laughs> Those are great ideas. Um, and it's given us a, I think it's just, yeah, like you said, giving us some more tools in our toolbox of things that we can say instead of our just go to good girl, <laughs> great job, <laughs> uh, careful. <laughs> so exactly. those, are, those are wonderful. Any, any last uh, bit of advice for our parents who are navigating around labeling and um, trying to expand their expand the way that they're able to support their kids in in a healthy uh, way. Yeah. So I think it's just like coming back to like, as much as we try to like not put labels on kids and uh, their behavior also 
for you and your parenting. So you're not a good or a bad parent, depending on how you just gave your child praise, or uh, if you said, be careful or things like this. So it's about practicing getting out of the labeling, even with how you look at yourself and relate to yourself as a parent or caregiver. And just really understanding that, you know, regardless of what has happened in the past, each and every moment is an opportunity to practice again. And you get to practice something new that can be more effective or unlock um, just a new level of connection with you and your child. And that's okay. And it's, it doesn't matter what happened before that. (laughs) That's awesome. I love that practicing. We always in practice as parents (laughs) and once we kind of figure out it, it, they, the kids change, right? (laughs) Or they into a new phase, a new stage, all that kind of stuff. So uh, that's good. I love, I love putting into perspective in that way. That was, that was fantastic. So I want to send our listeners over to where your blog is and your website, which is transformingtoddlerhood.com. And um, do you have something over there that they can download that kind of reiterates the things that we're talking about today? Yeah, I have um, this uh, freebie, um, this PDF guide called 25 Alternatives to Good Job um, and Ways to Pray. So it goes over things that we talked about today, but much more in depth and just helps give you some scripts that you can start practicing to start rewiring your brain to um, interact with your child's behavior in a different way. Mm, I love it. And while you're over there, she also has 10 simple strategies to end power struggles, which I think is also pretty appealing to parents these days. (laughs) And no matter how old the kids are, those power struggles still happen. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Devin, for being with us today. It's been really great to have you and your expertise. And um, I love all the things that you, the tools and the tips that you've equipped us with today is going to really help our parents have a more blissful and harmonized experience with our kids, like you were mentioning earlier. So thank you so much for being here today. Any last words for our parents? Um, well, first of all, just thanks for having me. And, you know, when I think about like the, the thing that I like always say on repeat is each and every moment is an opportunity to practice again, and you are allowed to learn alongside your child. So you don't have to have it all figured out. Um, and you're allowed to learn with your child. And actually the older your child gets the more opportunities there are to partner with your child on problem solving. So because, you know, school age kids tend to have a much better command of, uh, language than, uh, young toddlers. And so there's so many more opportunities for partnership where, um, you can, share the problem solving process together, even though, you know, you're still in charge, you're going to make the final decision, but it doesn't have to be all on you to know it all and figure it all out. And I think that is just such a relief to know that. Absolutely. And our kids are smart. They can help us with that too, right? Exactly. <laughs> I, I love it. Well, thank you so much, Devin. Uh, Blissful Parents, go check out Devin's website and all the th- amazing things she has over there. And uh, thanks again, Devin, for really helping us out here today and sharing with us all of your expertise. Thank you for listening to the Blissful Parent Podcast. For complete transcriptions of this show, as well as helpful links to resources mentioned in this episode, please visit our website at theblissfulparent.com.